for listening to the Divine Nobodies Podcast with Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe so you never miss a show. If you're on Instagram, please follow us at Divine Nobodies Podcast and join our ever-growing community of lightworkers and spiritual visionaries. Together, we can raise the frequency of our planet and bring in a new era of awakening and inner standing. Welcome to our tribe. And now your hosts, Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. Hello, hello, hello. We're back. Hi, Jen. Hey, what's going on? What's it looking like on your part of the world? Good? It's great. Awesome. Ice cream and rainbows. Ice cream and rainbows. When's the last time you actually had ice cream? Ice cream's like one of those things that I absolutely love, but I have to like think really, really hard about whether or not I actually want to do it when it happens. Oh man, you know what ice cream I love is the 99 cent cone at McDonald's. The the 99 cent cone at McDonald's? Yeah, it's a a frozen yogurt, I think. And uh, it's just a regular vanilla twist cone and it's 99 cents and it's amazing. You know the issue that- the issue your ice cream fix. Really? The issue that I yeah. have, this is the issue that I have with McDonald's is that whenever you go into the drive-thru, it doesn't matter what time of the day it is. And I, it's just something that just I go through. I don't know if it's something that you go through, but it's something that I go through where it's like you go and you ask for a McFlurry or you go for, you know, one of those cones that you're talking about. And I feel like they make it up when they tell you that the machine is broken because it's always broken. Oh, yeah. It's always broken. And yeah. I don't think they that it's... have a flag outside that says like ice cream machine is broken. Yes or no. If the flag's up, it's broken. If the flag's down, you're good to go. Yeah, I don't think that it's broken. I think it's like there's a, there's probably some sort of back-end process that we don't know about. And whenever somebody orders it, they got to go through this process of like, oh, I got to get this machine going. I got to pour the ice in the thing. And it just becomes like an, or, an ordeal. And then they just don't want to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think at, on the night shift, because they have to clean it out before the end of the night. Yeah. But I always find there's ice cream during the day. And I think that's the issue because I, when I am coming from those experiences of going there really late at night. So maybe that's just my thing. Maybe I shouldn't go in the middle of the night. I should go during the day when people actually order that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, anyways, for sure. thank you everybody for tuning in. This is Divine Nobody's Podcast. I've got a lot of things to actually cover. I wanted, I found this article. It was actually really interesting because me and you are really up on the sort of AI stuff. We're waiting for that singularity to take place and for the, AI, the robots to take over. And they're going to yeah. do it one article at a time and one sort of technological <laughs> advancement at a time. And I uh, read about um, this article about uh, this scientist who taught some, her name is Janelle Shane. She's a research scientist and author from Colorado. And uh, she has this squad of courtship bots. And she used one of the most sophisticated text writing AI algorithms in the world and a language model known as the generative pre-trained Transformer 3 GPT-3, which is uh, a deep learning tool. And that's how every, that's the name of every great artificially intelligent robot probably does some pretty cool shit. Anyway, she basically pushed this script into a series of different sort of AI personalities. And what came out of this algorithm were pickup lines. All right. Yeah, so these are artificially intelligent pickup lines. And I thought these were really interesting because uh, we're getting a little closer to uh, interfacing with these bots. And, um, you know, you hear about all these different sort of um, technological advances from things like Google automating a lot of the stuff that we're currently using on our phones. Like I remember uh, hearing about this. I don't know where they're at currently with this, but 
where you're going to have like virtual assistants eventually where, you know, when you, somebody gives you a call or maybe not somebody giving you a call, but you could actually have one of your virtual assistants on your phone, give a talk, give a call to like a store and make an appointment or make an, make an appointment to like go to the dentist or something. And I overheard one of these conversations between one of these artificially intelligent robots with somebody on the other end. And you cannot tell the difference between them being a robot and a human. Literally Ooh. sounds like an actual person talking to them, like over the That's phone. Creepy. Yeah, it's, like it. it's super creepy. And that opens up a lot of um, different things, obviously, right? But how they're getting so advanced with this shit, it's kind of crazy. Anyways, I'm going to go over a series of different pickup lines. And I want you to give me your honest sort of female opinion on if a robot came to you all willy-nilly <laughs> on the street and dished one of these out to you, whether or not they'd gain any traction perhaps maybe you might single, sort of like a single robot huh yeah, yeah yeah a single robot maybe, maybe oh not you God. but you know a lot of females you can tell me if this would work with any one of them maybe get them to change from you know relationships to humans to virtually and in, venturing into the robot world mm. so the first one the first of the blocks one of the robots whose name is da vinci Right, the largest and most competent of the four AIs, because there was four artificial intelligent robots that she um, pushed this algorithm to. Okay. And uh, what it says here it says uh, Da Vinci's pickup lines vacillated between charming quips, chilling propositions, and cryptic non sequenturs, throwing up such gems as, and I'm getting this from Vice, not reading the whole thing, okay. but this is initially where I got it. it. Says, "I love you. I don't care if you're a doggo in a trench coat." A doggo in a trench coat? <laughs> the fuck is that? I don't know. I I guess if you try and interpret that, I don't want to go if you're a doggo in a trench coat. It's almost like they, they're... Like a dog? Yeah. A doggo is sort of like the paraphrased version of a dog, uh, a, a dog, I think. Okay. So mm. they're not quite there, but they're getting there. Let's just see if it like progresses a little bit. It says, you have a lovely face. Can I put it on an air freshener? I want to keep your smell close to me always. <laughs> what do you think of that one? Oh, I'm, I'm a hard no on that one, dog. No? Okay. Yeah, no for me, dog. Okay, no for me. Okay, and the next one is wait. Okay, you look like Jesus if he were a butler in a Russian mansion. Oh. <laughs> no? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, we're getting warmer. Yeah, getting we're getting warmer. Okay, so I that was... assume that English is their second language. Yeah, okay. So then the next yeah. one, so that was Da Vinci. So Da Vinci doesn't get a pass. Da Vinci doesn't get a date with Jen. No, so, no, And that was supposed to mean the most intelligent one? Uh, I, I think in terms of like how he gathered coherent sentences, maybe, is is okay. what they were trying to, to put here. Um, I mean, obviously, okay. these pickup lines, they're not going to be the most thought out because they're not humans. But yeah. the just like any anybody that comes up to you and, and gives you like a really cheesy pickup line, like a for effort, right? At least it, the, the guy's yeah. trying. The, I mean, the little guy's sense, trying. Yeah. But uh, you look like a dog in a trench coat and I'd like to put your face on an air freshener so I can smell it. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. The next up is Curie, a less powerful piece of software. And uh, the closest to depressing online pickup line lists out of all the GP3 variants, which is very poetic apparently. And uh, borderline sleazy. Um, okay, so here's the All next, right, here's the next set. I'm into sleaze. All right, it says, your eyes are like two rainbows. 
and a rainbow of eyes. I can't help but stare. Okay, not bad. Not that bad. That one's pretty good, though. Yeah, pretty good. Right? Is And then, okay, and the next one is, I'm like the ice cream. You can keep me in the freezer for a while, but then I melt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah? I mean... Yeah, I see the poetry in that one. Yeah, okay. it, it seems a little bit more introspective, you know, ice, like there's some life you know? experience coming out of this one. And then the next one is, yeah. my name is a complicated combination of 45 degrees of forward motion, 25 degrees of leftward drift, 75 degrees of upward acceleration, and infinity. And that is the point where my love for you stops. <laughs> okay. All yeah. right. All right. I see the sexual innuendo there. Yeah. I feel like that could be a pickup line if I like studied engineering at JPL in Pasadena, you know, yeah. like if I was Perhaps. on that, that sort of that realm of engineering where something like that actually makes sense. I don't think that this is not a pickup line. I think you just have to be at that certain level of intelligence in order to acknowledge it as a pickup line. Yeah. And I don't think I mean, pickup lines historically don't work anyway, unless they're just really funny. Yeah, or, um, or really stupid. And, and meant to, it's all about the delivery, right? It's like just meant to be cheesy and funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Okay. That's and then, that. and then uh, here's the last one. It says, hey, my name is John Smith. Will you sit on my bread box while I cook? Or is there some kind of oh. speed limit on that thing? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that one, that one makes me laugh. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you don't quite get it, but. It, there's something very forward about it. I don't quite get it, it, but something about riding on a bread box, I'm, yeah. I'm all about. Yeah, you can appreciate the confidence, you know. And, okay, and so the third AI is Babbage. At less less sophisticated still, which I don't really understand because the, the most sophisticated was Da Vinci was the first one that we, oh, we talked about. And that one. made the least sense, yeah. Yeah, but apparently uh, Babbage is charming and uh, forthright. So Babbage, said, Babbage says, you're looking good today. Want snacks? <laughs> and then if you would have said wine, I would have been like, yes, yeah? I do. Oh, wine. Yeah. See, I they had me at snacks. I feel like yeah. in, in this day and age, especially like um, like COVID time, snacks have a much higher value than things like wine nowadays, I feel like, because snacks are just one of those things that you can stay home and just enjoy with your loved one or your friends. So I feel like yeah. you're looking good today, want snacks, that person would get a date if they approached me on the street. Yeah. You know, I am, I'm trying to lose the COVID-19. So I'm avoiding snacks and alcohol actually, but. Oh, the COVID-19 yeah. pounds. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So the next one, it says, I love you. I love you. I love you to the confines of death and disease. The legions of earth rejoice. Woe to the world. Okay. That kind of sounds like a Bible verse. It, it does. Yeah. It, it kind of sounds like a, a Bible verse or like an Oscar Wilde quote. Yeah. You know? Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like I, even though I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't initially look at this as a pick up line. I would probably see this as them. They're like quoting from a book and maybe yeah. they're sort of like socially awkward. So they have to develop, they have to use other people's words in order to try and get by. For it's sure. not the I worst. I think I would leave disease out any any time I'm trying to pick somebody up. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I love you to Maybe the Maybe just not on. even use that word at all. Yeah. Well, I think, you know what, COVID is in the fixture of these probably algorithms that they're pushing through here, you know? Yeah. So okay. it, it, in yeah. present tense, I love you to the confines of death and disease. It's like, could be talking about COVID, you know? Perhaps. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
I just think of venereal disease. I don't know. That's me. Really? But then also when you brought this up, I was like, what about that robot wiener? (laughs) All I want to know about. The robot wiener? Oh, man. (laughs) I I feel like it'd be much easier for them to design uh, just a well-endowed sort of perfectly designed robot because they they already already do those sort of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then there's, there's Ada, which is the smallest, smallest of the variants. Um, has less in common with Barum Romance and is uh, pretty friendly. Uh, let me see here. She says, actually, no, we're going to skip her because a lot of hers are just like random words. I don't even get them. So we're going to skip you. You don't, you don't get a pass. Sorry. <laughs> and pick up lines based on story prompts. Here are some more of them. They say, hey, baby, are your schematics compatible with this protocol? And then I'm just going to read the last ones. I can tell by your red power light that you're into me. And then the last one is, can I see your parts list? <laughs> okay. All, all computer references. I like, yeah. I like, um, yeah. So, so this, this, uh, this, this woman, uh, Shane, Jan- Janelle Shane, I mean, at least they're trying it out. I mean, you never know. I don't know exactly what they're planning on using this for. I think they're just trying to, trying to see how close they can get to actual, uh, human dialogue, I guess, intellectually generated by robots. So I thought that was pretty fun. I think that would be, yeah, that is fun. Want to hear something kind of creepy? Sure. Um, I guess like a year, it's probably about a year ago. Um, Jeremy and I were in Vegas and I can't even remember what hotel, but we were ordered, um, coffee and, um, it was brought up by a robot. So really? the robot just cruised on up to our room, stopped in front of the door, knocked on it. Mm-hmm. And then when we opened the door, the hatch opened up and you just get your coffee out. Yeah. Those are actually pretty common nowadays. I saw this yeah. uh, video online um, actually today of all, of all times to, to see it, where there is this compilation of people showing compassion to these robots that are run, wandering around the street delivering food. Because I guess apparently there are restaurants and even delivery services that are actually using them now. And yeah. they get stuck. Like they get stuck in snow, they get stuck on a curb. Oh, no. And so the expectation, at least that I had when this first thing, this thing first came out was that people were going to fuck with them. Like they were going to knock yeah. them over or they were going to steal them. But steal them. this video showed like a whole five minutes of people actually picking up the robot, putting it back on the trajectory and letting it go. And somehow the people that created these robots um, developed probably like a sensor that picked up on that. So each one of these robots is like, oh, thank you. And then just like, oh, how cute! Like drifts off. Oh, so it's cool. It, it's cool That's that like cute. you know uh, there are compassionate people out there in the world that aren't just gonna start kicking robots in the ass when they're going the wrong direction on the street. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Yeah, like that. so it was really nice. Anyways, wanted to uh, open it up to talk about something that um, is really important. I think for anybody that's listening, but even just for me because it's played a really huge role in my life. And the reason why this subject came up is because of uh, an experience that I had over the weekend, which is that of establishing and reinforcing healthy boundaries and relationships which are pretty, pretty integral things. So I was hanging out at a friend's house and I happened to hear this couple like screaming at each other. Well, maybe let me preface this. It it wasn't a couple. It was a girl screaming at her boyfriend over the phone and she was screaming really loud and loud enough to where, and I'm not like a voyeur, like I don't just go listening to other people's stuff, but I ended up hearing it because it was so loud and she was screaming at him. Or was she... 
she did have him on. Yeah, she had him. She didn't originally have him on speaker, but she thinks she alternated to going to speaker. And what I gathered from this couple, because I've seen them outside of this apartment before, is that they both lived there. And for whatever reason, her boyfriend, boyfriend, or I think it was her boyfriend, just wasn't home. And she was really unhappy by the fact that he wasn't home. It was Friday night and she was screaming at him and she was crying like profusely. Right. So there's like a difference between just like crying because you're upset, but like that sort of ugly cry where you're like letting everybody in the neighborhood know about it. Something, something different about that. Anyways, at first, and I was with um, some friends at first, we gathered like, wow, he must have cheated on her. Yeah. What an asshole. Right. Because she was crying (laughs) and she sounded so sad. And we were like, oh, like poor thing to have to go through this. Like her boyfriend's not home. He probably did something wrong. She must have cheated. And then we, we look out the, we look out the window and we see her throwing stuff out in front of the door. We're like, whoa, she's moving out. Like she's getting out of this bitch. Like she's not a part of this anymore. Like she's or done. Or she's moving his shit out onto the lawn. Exactly. Right. And so we, we started talking, we started, um, it, it was progressing. Sometimes it would stop and then it would start again and we'd like run up to the window. And what we gathered ultimately was that she was the crazy one. Yeah. And he didn't actually cheat. He was actually afraid to go home because this woman was a probably a manipulative, crazy, sort of narcissist type. Because she okay. was screaming stuff like, you're going to come here and you're going to spend time with me and you're going to give me all the attention that I want the entire night. And right. basically just screaming all these demands to this guy. Okay. And it sounded very crazy. And uh, he was on the other side of the phone just being like very calm and collective, like, hey, I'm just with my buddies and with my friends. And she's like, no, you needed to be here. You said you were going to be here. Just very codependent. And she was moving his shit out onto the porch, right? Mm -hmm. But she was going back and forth. Like she would throw his stuff out and then she would bring his stuff back in and then she would throw it out again. So it basically spoke to like this really large instability and how she probably problem solves uh, in relationships. But also I think it really spoke to a lack of boundaries just in the way that they were speaking to each other. Oh yeah. Which I feel like is important. You know what I mean? I mean there's like, a lot going on here. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like, there's a, lot. there's a difference between, I mean, we've all been hurt before where you've experienced something that made you cry. Mm-hmm. Right. But then there was just something different about the way that she was crying, where she was like, there was this, this absolute need to have this person in order to help her with her own sort of chaos and her own sort right. of like internal, you know, destruction. And it's hard to love somebody like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't yes. know the, the dynamics of the relationship, but it really got me thinking about how important it is to practice healthy boundaries. And this is something that I've had issues with throughout my life. And I feel mm-hmm. like I'm at a point in my life now where um, I'm able to practice that. And I think the the biggest piece of that is self-worth. It's like knowing your worth, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Have you had issues with boundaries in your life, like in your relationships in the past? Yeah, you know, I had a lot of issues when I was younger because whenever you're young, you're just, you're still trying to figure out what you want and what you don't want. And you make all the all the mistakes when you're young, right? Yeah. Um, but as I got older, I really started getting a little bit more set in my ways um, in the fact that I knew what I wanted. So I was less likely to put up with all the bullshit because I'm too old for that. Um, and I yeah. already learned my lessons. So. Uh, it's, 
I think it's just important to set the boundaries up front and mm-hmm. early in the relationship because once those bad behaviors develop, there's no going back, mm-hmm. right? So you kind of have to like lay down the law in the beginning yeah. in a nice way, not in a psychotic way, right. like uh, like this fine lady you were talking about. Yeah. Um, but it's all it's all in the delivery. It's all in communication and it's not necessarily what you say, it's how you say it. Mm-hmm. So just making sure you have an appropriate, an appropriate and respectful tone. Yeah. It almost seems like it's something that everybody has to develop over time. Like they say that yeah. at 30 years old, especially when you're a man, I mean, at least from what I've read that women develop emotionally a lot faster than men do. Mm-hmm. And men in their thirties are uh, basically getting to a point where they feel comfortable with who they are. And I imagine that those boundaries come along with that. But for me, oh, for sure. developing that in my twenties wasn't so obvious and getting to a place now, I'm obviously in my thirties where I, I feel like I have those healthy boundaries and I know who I am. Basically it speaks to just, it's a large part of everybody's journey and it's hard for any 20, I'll imagine any 20 year old to know exactly what it means without making a huge number of mistakes that point you in the direction of cultivating self-worth and those boundaries. And I started thinking like, well, boundaries, well, what are those? What are, what are boundaries? Because for me, like as a, either as an empathic type of person, we naturally want to help other people. Whenever we see somebody struggling, there's just sort of impulse in us to want to try and help them with that. But yeah. that creates a lot of challenges because where do you end and where do they begin? Uh, a lot of the issues that I used to run into is that all of a sudden their problems became mine. Right. And then my problems became theirs. And so mm-hmm. when you blend in so much with somebody's sort of interpersonal relationship that they have with themselves, you don't know what's left or right or up or down. You become essentially one person. Right. And I think spiritually, there's a certain way to look at you and, and your partner being one. But what it doesn't mean is that you share your issues and you share your problems and you share every little thing that you go through in life to the extent that you essentially disappear your own sense of self, your own separate, your own separate self disappears on both sides. And all you're left with is this sort of almost codependency with the person that you're with. Oh, for sure. I see this all the time where people forget they have friends, right? Yeah. They get into a relationship and then they're spending all their time with that person and not calling their friends back and canceling and, Mm -hmm. you know, until their friends eventually just kind of disappear. And that is such an unhealthy way to live. I mean, you really can't forget your friends and can't forget your family um, once you get into a relationship. Because guess what? You are going to need them later. Yeah. What do you, how do you think that looks now? Like in today's, because I thought about that too, because it's like, we're obviously in in COVID quarantine times where a lot of people aren't even able to be with their friends. Like, do you think that that sort of logic still takes place now considering people aren't seeing each other as much? And it's probably because I've moved around so much. Um, I have friends all over the country and Mm -hmm. it's with a friendship, especially a long distance friendship, you get what you put in, right? You know, so you have to put in the time, put in the calls, remember to text them, uh, remember to call them and check in and have, you know, kind of regular check-in conversations to keep the friendship alive, right? You know, and then there's those friendships where you don't talk to someone for, you know, six months and then you pick up the phone and it's like, you know, you talked to him yesterday. So I think it just really depends. Um, But with COVID and being in isolation, you just have to be more cognizant um, to do those touch points and make those, make those outreaches to people that you haven't spoken to in a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. I mean, I think the whole way that people 
go about dating is very different now. But I imagine that whole mm-hmm. sort, of thing, sort of thing kind of comes because I, I I noticed at the very beginning of quarantine, it was be it was be it, it became a little bit more difficult to keep remain in contact with my friends because the type of relationship that I had with them was seeing them all the time. You know, you yeah. go out and you do things with them. And when quarantine mm-hmm. happened, obviously, obviously that stopped. And a lot of the the friends that I know and the circles that I know, they didn't know how to navigate through that. Yeah. So, you know, because a lot of the people that I know weren't weren't people that communi- that even liked to be on the phone. You know what I mean? There right. were people that liked the presence of another human being. Oh, yeah. And so knowing that you can't do that, I think it, it, it changed the dynamic a little bit. And we obviously had to... Um, create another way of connection. And that's when those sort of Zoom calls and those conversations did happen. But it's been a little difficult and challenging, um, especially that's now, sure. you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But as far as boundaries, um, for me, it all points to like self-worth. It's like knowing knowing what your limits are and what you will accept and what you won't accept. And that's not always an easy thing to communicate. Because there's a certain level of communicating boundaries that can come across as being sort of like rigid or kind of hard-nosed or even almost mean, depending on how you communicate them. But there's this sort of expectation. Um, and I think that's the reason why people don't, you know, uh, quickly, uh, they aren't so uh, apt to communicate their their boundaries because it comes across kind of almost like confrontational in a way, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Just, just like I said earlier, it's all, it's all in how you say it. It's all in the tone, you know? So there's like several different ways that you can say no or, you know, communicate your needs. Like for example, if your, if your significant other said, Hey, let's go have dinner with my parents on Thursday. And an inappropriate response would be, no, your mom, she hates me and it's a work night and she doesn't cook vegan and I always get diarrhea. Do we, do we have to do that? Okay. So that would be an inappropriate response. Have you heard that response before? Yeah. So an appropriate response would be, well, you know, it, it's a work night. Um, is there any way we can reschedule for the weekend and maybe go to that new vegan restaurant down on fifth street? Yeah. You know, so there's two different ways to say no. And anytime you're going to say no, or anytime you're going to complain about something, um, you need to offer a solution, yeah. right? Nobody wants to, you know, hear a complainer. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's it's all in the delivery and it's all how you, how you say it. Yeah. And I think it's important too, because like boundaries aren't so obvious to people, especially strangers. Mm-hmm. So if you're like in a relationship with somebody, like how are they going to know your boundaries unless you communicate them? 100%. So there's, there's like certain part of you that has to be open to being... Um, not necessarily confrontational, but being direct, right? Like being yeah. direct with what it is that you're open to, what it is that you're not, especially on a date. And I know people that, you know, are more or less people pleasers. And mm-hmm. that shows very, very quickly on a date with somebody that they are because they're not communicating what their boundaries are. They're being too agreeable, which, you know, is obviously not a good thing and not disagreeable enough. And I know that there's a nice balance that needs to take place, not deliberately. Like you don't want to be deliberately agreeable or disagreeable. You just want to reflect that you're a different person than them yeah, and that you have your own wants and your own desires and your own perspective. And nobody likes when somebody just agrees with everything that they say and will do everything that the other person wants to do. Because, you know, when you go on a date with somebody, they're not trying to date themselves. 
Right. <laughs> you know, they're trying to go on a date and, and, and figure out how this person can contribute to their life, what I can learn from this person and what the contrast is, you yeah. know. I mean, there's a difference between being easygoing and agreeable and um, being overly agreeable and having no identity. Right. You know, I, I see this a lot with food, actually, which is <laughs> kind of stupid. But um, whenever I was dating, uh, I don't I like all types of food. There's very few things that I don't eat. And, um, you know, my date would ask me, oh, you know, you want to go have Thai food? I'm like, sure. You know, and I'm open for Thai food. I love Thai food, you know, but, um, that, if that was a no for me, that would have been a good, a good time to say like, I don't really like Thai food. How about, you know, Mexican or whatever, you know, but, um, I, I, that was some feedback that I got when I was online dating that I was uh, a little too agreeable. Um, and it kind of came, that's where it came from. Somebody straight up told you that you were, somebody straight up told you that you were too agreeable on an online dating platform. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really? I don't know. There's something. I I had a guy tell me that, um, and this is crazy, but I had a guy tell me that he couldn't date me because I had an autoimmune disease and, uh, he wouldn't want me to pass that to our children. Are you serious? I'm like, really? Oh, that is, that is insane. Yeah. Insane. Talk about like lack of compassion. It doesn't exactly work that way. Yeah. You know what <laughs> I, I mean? Saying, okay. That's that. I mean, you don't, I don't necessarily think that you just automatically inherit those genes. Um, well, yeah. I, yeah. What I have was, is inherited, but, um, yeah, but the likelihood is, is low. Yeah. If somebody like straight up just is just like, yeah, you're too agreeable. I feel like they, uh, there's something about that. You have to keep those sort of things like on the hush. You don't want to just come up with, because there is a part of it that speaks to like them obviously researching the dynamics of dating, Yeah, you know? And so they're looking for a certain type of outcome instead of just accepting you for who you are. And Mm -hmm. I mean, human beings are flawed, you know, they're not perfect. They're going to be too agreeable sometimes and disagreeable sometimes. I think it's just about finding a balance. You know what I mean? Yeah, I 100% agree. Yes. Yeah. So that's like like stuff like that, you know, like it's really important to communicate what your boundaries are. And the only way that that's going to happen is if you're open and you uh, aren't afraid to communicate those things. Because otherwise you run into a situation where you're just going to get stepped on by other people. Oh, yeah. And there are people yeah. out there that will pick up on that and they will step on you. So what is your number one I guess, dating issue. My number one dating issue? Yeah. I think for me is that maybe uh, I'm a little bit maybe just too accepting, you know? Like I, I, a a part of, I guess the way that I used to approach dating was I can overlook a lot of really negative things in another person. Because there's this part of me, especially like being in that healer community or being in the new age community, you're like, we're, we, we, we're very focused on trying to see the positive in things. And that's mm-hmm. very, very, uh, you got to be really careful with that because that can become a sort of like uh, a spirit, some form of spiritual bypassing, but also a form of toxic positivity because you're, you're negating the fact that human beings are flawed and you're negating the fact that human beings have issues and right. you're always trying to see the best in somebody. And I think that was, that was always been my challenge um, growing up is, okay, when somebody is able to be nice, when someone is able to be kind and sweet, there's this part of you that thinks, okay, well, that person is there. Let's just focus on that and try and bring that out in somebody. And then when 
that other side comes out, it's easy to overlook that because you think like, okay, well, maybe if we just focus on the good and we focus on the things that you do like, then you could, you know, uh, essentially, you know, steer that person into focusing themselves more on that. But that's not good either, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, it was all about just um, overlooking um, red flags, you know, like overlooking like, like obvious red flags. Obvious red flags. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I have kind of a flag system too. If there's, well, I'm, I'm okay on yellow flags, but there can't be too many red flags. I mean, I have some serious deal, deal breakers and mm-hmm. my number one deal breaker is um, talking disrespectfully to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always been my number one. It, it's never okay to make someone feel bad about themselves yeah. and using words um, like fuck you or name calling like you're a bitch or um, threatening to break up or threatening divorce, anything like that. Once you start using those power words, I mean, you can't unring that bell. People do not forget those words. And, and it, it starts a kind of like a series of bad behavior. So once that person talks to you in such a disrespectful way, it's over. Like in their eyes, they feel like they can get away with it. And then if you are tolerating it, Mm -hmm. um, it's, that's just a bad place to be. It's yeah. a really bad place to be. So that's my my number one, just to be very cautious about the words that you use and the tone that you use and what you say, yeah. um, especially when you're angry. If you need to take some time, take some time, mm-hmm. but don't stay in an argument and continue to get heated and then and then get too emotional. Yeah. You know, when I think of like things like this, where it comes to like interactions with other human beings, I think at the very core, like there's this part of me that's still, thinks of um, how children sort of operate, you know, Mm -hmm. like children will test and they will push and they will try and see what they can get away with. So when you're in a situation with a partner and you're exchanging those type of words that you're talking about, Mm -hmm. two outcomes can happen. One is that you exercise your boundaries and you say, Hey, I will not put up with this. And then they're forced to either accept that or take a walk or Mm -hmm. you put up with it and they see that as a win and they will lose respect for you and know that they can do that yep. to you and they will take advantage right. of that too. Uh, and then how that makes you feel, it chips away at the integrity of the relationship. Yeah. So once that, that starts and then you start hearing those words and having that, those negative and toxic words in your field, it, the relationship sl- slowly just starts to crumble. Yeah. So it's just that all around. I mean, you, you have to stand up for yourself and, uh, and command that your partner speaks to you from a place of respect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think another, one of the other things that I've, I've thought about when it came to like my dating in the past was that like, you know, having a really strong sense of self in the sense that like you don't lose yourself in a relationship and that you don't lose oh, yourself yeah. to somebody else. So that was something that I used to struggle with a lot, which is like, there's this romantic side of me as a Libra that wants to spend all of my time. You know, you you go through these sort of yeah. archetypal scenarios in your mind that are largely based off of probably your conditioning and watching things like fucking Disney movies and the notebook. And, you know, that is a part of like our culture to romanticize love because at the, at the very core, that's, it's what we want. Like we want a perfect relationship, Mm -hmm. but the one thing we need to understand is that there is no perfect relationship because the, the, the society, which we're a part of is not designed for that. And so the issue that I used to have is I would almost essentially disappear into a relationship, spending all of my time with that person. And it'll get to a place where the boundaries are so blurred 
that you can't tell the difference between who you are and who they are. And yeah. all the things that you like become the things that they like. All the things that you do, you do together. And there's nothing wrong with that, but there just needs to be a balance that takes place. Oh, you know, yeah, for sure. I mean, that goes back to my friend comment earlier is whenever you get into a relationship and then you abandon your friends, your yeah. friends know the real you, mm-hmm. you know, and whenever you start in a relationship, your partner doesn't really even know you. They know the best, the best you on your best behavior is what they know. Yeah, You know, it's a while before you really get to know that person that you're dating. Yeah. So whenever you abandon your friends, you also abandon uh, an important person, an important part of who you are. That's so true. the moral of the story, don't ditch your friends, right? You know, you need your friends to provide that, that um, perspective and that balance whenever you have issues, yeah. you know, like you need to be able to call your friend and say like, Hey, am I being crazy? And your friend could be like, yeah, bitch, you're being crazy. Stop. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, your partner doesn't need to know every single thought that goes through your head and every feeling you're having. Right. Um, when that happens and you're spending too much time together. And like you said, you don't know where the other person yeah. stops and you begin. Yeah. Um, that's, that is such a dangerous place, right? Because yeah. then your partner's accepting that responsibility of hearing all of your emotions all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not, that's not their job. You're, you know, there's some things that need to be censored and some things that you don't need to talk about with your significant other. Yeah. And, um, and that's really where your friends come in. Cause you talk to your friends about that stuff. Not your, not your significant other. That's true. And your friends are some of the only people that could actually be radically honest about your situation and the person that you're with. That's why. So that's always like a huge question. Like, okay, should I bring my partner around my friends? And people use a lot of discretion with that because they know that when that partner goes, hangs out with the friends, those friends are going to give you really honest feedback. They're going to be like, Oh, she's, she's good. She's a really great person. Or they're going to be like, God, no, she's a gold digger. You need to get rid of her. Yeah. You know, your friends will be super honest with you, you know? So it's good to have that sort of perspective because they're the ones that aren't being, they're not getting lost in the sauce like you are, you know, they can see it from an objective sort of perspective, you know? And I think the the boundaries also, what, what they really, really do help you understand is how compatible you are with somebody else too, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, and I think that's uh, another thing is is really important is is compatibility versus chemistry, and you can only really figure out <laughs> yeah. those two things when you're practicing healthy boundaries because you're you're essentially trying to almost not in a a gamey sort of way, but you're trying to test this person to see if they're okay with the things that you like, the things that you won't put up with, and things that you will put up with, and. There is no perfect relationship. When it comes to dating, you're going to get into some conflict. There is comfortable conflict. There's this this whole idea that like fighting shouldn't happen, I think is unreasonable because it's not that fighting shouldn't happen or disagreement shouldn't happen. It's just they shouldn't consistently happen. You know, yeah. I feel like those uh, comfortable conflict is is a way that you could exercise those boundaries and 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 figure out and reinforce you know, those, those things, like where you start and where they begin. And it also helps to sort of figure out how much they really like you, if they're able to forgive you or express some compassion when it comes yeah. to difficult situations. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, it's, it's funny that you bring this up because I was, I was thinking about this the other day. Anytime um, I'm in a, a kerfuffle with Jeremy, I'll do the like interrogation <laughs> technique where you just repeat what they say. Um, it's called mirroring. So oh yeah. If, if you're if someone's angry, 
you and they're saying whatever they're saying, then you repeat back exactly what they said and then get silent. And then that promotes them to talk, right? So they'll say, yeah, because then they feel like they're validated and like you heard them and then they'll continue talking. So um, it's, you're having a conversation, but you're not really saying anything. And that other person is just getting it all off their chest. So then yeah. at the end, then you offer your two cents. Right, but right. I do, I do mirroring a couple times before I actually speak and give my opinion. Yeah. So that seems good for me. But. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely helps. I have some examples here, Jen. We pulled up some, oh, some awesome. examples of uh, emotional boundaries now that we've talked about kind of um, what ours are and what we've kind of struggled <laughs> with, which by the way, I'm 36 years old. I pretty much practice healthy boundaries now. These are things that I experienced when I was younger, but some it's like an ongoing process. It's like a practice, you know, it's a practice yeah, to exactly. keep your boundaries strong and you don't stop having boundaries just because you enter into a relationship. When you get into a relationship, those boundaries still have to exist, which is kind of like what you're talking about, which is like watching the way that you talk to me, you know, like respecting yeah. my time, you know, mm -hmm. if I want to sit on the couch and eat ice cream, I'm going to sit on the couch and eat ice cream. Yeah, as long as you're not doing it every day. Yeah. If you are doing it every day, then you're not my type of person. Yeah, you don't want to eat ice cream every day anyways, especially not no. Ben and Jerry's ice cream. That's good shit, Jen. It is good shit. <laughs> okay, so examples of emotional boundaries according to Live Bold and Bloom. We'll go through a few of these and we'll talk about them. One is saying no. You know, yeah. consent is very important. That's a, that, a huge thing. Saying no, not being afraid to say like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not for that. Yeah. You know. And you, you don't even directly have to say no. You can say no without saying no. You know, <laughs> you, it, once again, it goes back to just offering a solution, right? You know, if you don't want to do something, it's uh, offering an alternate solution. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be no is like doesn't have to be a harsh word or have mm -hmm. a negative connotation yeah so it's like if you're gonna go eat somewhere and you're like hey i want to have chinese and they're like no then you say right. oh let's do thai food instead right exactly like uh, you know and you don't even have to say no you could just say like oh i i'm not really in the mood for chinese how about you know thai food yeah exactly so yeah. it doesn't it's just adding more words instead of no. No right. is so harsh. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. So if you're like on a date with somebody and like you're, you're asking if they like something, you're not just going to be like, no, I don't like something. You're going to be like, <laughs> no, I don't know. This is why I don't like it. You know what I mean? Right. So basically, no is simple, simple enough. I think most people, at least at this point, uh, understand what the word no means and can use that as a boundary. Second one is refusing to take blame. Oh, my God. I have a story about this one. This is a good one. Yeah. So I, I dated a guy for a couple of years and he asked me to move in. And I wasn't like really sure because I was still pretty young and I was like, yeah, I don't know. But I'd been dating this guy a couple of years. So I was like, oh, what the hell? I'll move in with him. I was looking for a place anyway. And we lived in the same city. So it was like, eh, all right, I'll save a little bit of money. Took a couple of so, years? You said a well, couple of years? Oh, were, we were dating for a couple of years. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So, um, I'm literally unpacking the first box. So uh -huh. all my, all my stuff is moved in. I open up the first box and I'm taking, and it was clothes. Right. And I was taking a bunch of clothes out to hang them up and he goes on in a full panic attack. And it's just like blaming me for the relationship moving too fast and how he's not really sure about this. And 
I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you asked me to move in and yeah. now I'm here unpacking my box and all my shit is here. And now, now you want to freak out, you know, like this yeah. isn't, this isn't my fault. This is your issue. If you didn't want me here, you shouldn't ask me to come. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like that, a, that will forever stick in my mind. And it was downhill from there. Yeah. That's this is, the, this, I, I, I told you about this guy. This is the guy that threatened to kill my dog. Oh, really? Yeah. Same guy. Oh, yeah. that guy. Yeah. That guy's was, bad news bears, Jen. Yeah, red red flags from the beginning, right? Yeah, so it's great. That, one. that speaks to like a like an impulsive decision. So obviously he had a lot of insecurity about doing it, but maybe he said it in like the heat of the moment out of like a fear of losing you. He's like, oh, we got to live together. You know, maybe he didn't really mean it. This exact same thing happened with me um, a little while ago, like within the last two years where this woman was like, yeah, come and move in with me. Everything will be great. It sort of romanticized like a really positive future. And then the second you go... You occupy somebody's space and then all of a sudden they change and all of yeah. a sudden they're like not sure. And all of a sudden, like they're having second thoughts. It's like, whoa, how can you just all willy nilly change your mind like that? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like this isn't, this is a process. This isn't just like I snap my fingers and I'm here, you know, I mean, yeah. there's, there's a lot of emotional investment. There's a lot of monetary investment yeah. and it's, Yeah. That's yeah. just a bad situation all around. Yeah, that's that's a big deal. And I, I think um, a lot of people that fall into that sort of uh, refusing to take blame scenario are narcissists because, you know, mm -hmm. from what I've read, they have a very fragile sense of self. So right. fragile that if they do something wrong, they're not going to take accountability for it. They're going to blame yeah. somebody else. It doesn't even have to make sense because a lot of the time it doesn't make sense. So when you have situations where they're like, nope, that's not me. I'm not the, not the person that did that, just skirting responsibility of everything. They tend to do that. And I think the reason why is because either a lack of self or an inability to deal with the fact that they are hurting you, you know? Right. So pay attention to that because if somebody's not willing to take responsibility for their faults, their actions, um, that's a really dangerous game to play. Yeah, you know what I mean? Agreed. Because you're in a relationship, you're going to run into issues. And at the very, you know, day one sort of basic sort of behavior just speaks to like having enough, uh, having, a, I guess, a more evolved sense of maturity and taking accountability for those things. If they can't even do that, then you're probably destined for a really, really dark nature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, breakup. So the next one is expecting respect. You deserve That's kindness and loving communication. If you feel your partner is speaking from unjustified anger or with a disrespectful tone, you're within your right to remove yourself from the scenario, which is what you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, absolutely. you know, and I've, I've gone into this with other people too, because um, I think because of how I grew up, I grew up around a lot of chaos. So not mm -hmm. that I got used to it, but I, I've been sort of conditioned to um, not have it affect me as much as it would with somebody else. So I can, in some ways, overlook negative behavior when I shouldn't. But getting to a point where you're like, I'm going to exit from this conversation. I'm not going to engage with you anymore unless you will speak to me with a respectful tone. That's, that's a hard task for some people to do, but it's so important to do that, you know? Cause that, 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 you know, and if you can't, just don't say anything. You know, yeah. if you, if you can't speak respectfully, just stay quiet until you calm down before you go to belittling your partner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. And then the next one is finding your identity outside of the relationship, 
which is what we were talking about. You have to be able to contribute something to your relationship because in the beginning, the honeymoon phase um, for some people is longer or shorter for others. And, you know, that initial sort of spark that you have will get you by. It'll get you through for a long time. But at a certain point, you're going to be able to, you're going to have to con continue contributing some level of contrast and some level of value to the relationship. And that means by contributing who you were prior to even being in that relationship, that person that that person fell in love with and continuously, consistently contributing your part, which is, you know, being the person that you were before you had gotten yeah. together, you know, exactly like your hobbies, exactly. the things that you love to do, the things that make you, you, it's so important to sustain those outside of a relationship so that you can bring those back into the relationship and keep that sort of flame going. I see that all the time, people that have hobbies and they quit their hobbies whenever they get into a relationship. And just yeah. like you said, I mean, that could have been one of the reasons why your partner fell in love with you because they really admired your passion mm -hmm. or, you know, your creativity or whatever, whatever that is. So if you really look forward to book club yeah. once a month with your girlfriends, oh, I love don't book stop club, reading Jen. books. What was that? I love book club, Jen. Me too. <laughs> we kind of have our own book club. We're always like recommending books to each other. Oh, that's true. But um, yeah, um, if, if you have book club once a month with your girlfriends, don't give that up because that also gives you that space, right? That space yeah. away from your partner mm -hmm. to be you and also gives them space too. They need space to do their hobbies and do things that they enjoy as well. And nobody yeah. likes a codependent clingy person that's unattractive and gross. That's true. And you're not like going out and doing these things in order to just contribute more to your relationship. You're going out and doing these things to like, remember who you are as well. Yeah. Like a part of that, you know, like, and, and, yeah. and that takes a, a lot of trust because there are relationships that I, I've um, experienced of others in the past where it's like, there's partners that are afraid for their partner to go out and hang out with their buddies afraid to go out with the girls to like a nightclub like they, they there's this idea that like somehow if they go and do these things they're going to meet somebody else they're going to have more fun than they do when they're actually with their partner and there becomes this sort of game of insecurity and if you're already at that place in your relationship there's lots of things that you obviously need to talk over because that's not good <laughs> Yeah, the relationship is on a downhill slide if you if you're worried about those things yeah yeah, it's like where it's like you you uh, you get to this place where you're just so worried of them actually having a good time without you. It speaks to a lot of insecurity. Like somehow you don't think that you're worthy enough, or that you're not fun enough of a person. You know, mm -hmm. so th that's definitely something to consider. You're going out and you're doing things with your friends in order to, you know, remember who you are and not lose yourself in a relationship. Right. Next one is asking for space. You know. All right. I like this one. Yeah. Asking for space. And, you know. I, I need my space. I like, I like being by myself. It's and it's funny, like I've lived by myself without roommates for so long. Um, mm -hmm. Whenever I was in Texas and when I moved to California, I kind of had to get roommates because it's so damn expensive here. Uh -huh. So, um, yeah, it, it was really weird going from having my own personal space and my house being clean all the time and not having to, you know, worry about another person to having another person in my space 24 seven. Uh -huh. So. What was I don't that know like? if, you, if you went through that, but I love living alone. It's the best. Yeah. Well, well how, what was that transition like for you? Because I knew you like a long time ago when you were also single. And, and I knew that during that time that like your, your space and your independence is really, really important. 
So was yeah. that like a difficult transition for you? Like once you finally got married and you started occupying a space with somebody else? It really was like I, if I had it my way, we would have separate houses and live next door to each other. Really? <laughs> oh my yeah. God. If you had it your I way, would you also have separate beds too? No, no. I, I think that that's weird. I think it's weird when married couples sleep in, in separate beds, but. Did you know back um, in the fifties, that was like a thing? Yeah, it was totally a thing. People had like two twin beds in a room. That's fucking weird. Yeah. Like I knew that, um, that Lucy and Ricky Ricardo, even when you used to watch that show, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm reaching really far into the past. I mean, I'm millennials probably had no idea what this was, but there was this show called I Love Lucy and it was obviously in black and white and they even had it on the show. There were bedrooms and they both had separate beds, you know? Yeah. And they'd even mm -hmm. had like certain parts of the show where like they were going to bed and they were in like two separate beds. I'm like, what is that about? Going on there. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on there? Yeah. Now I'm used to it now. I mean, because I've, we've been together almost, almost seven years now. So now I'm like getting used to having someone around all the time, but I still yeah. definitely need my space. And I take that time in the morning, like to meditate and work out. And that is really my time to be by myself and not have to talk to anyone and yeah. not have to entertain anyone or feed anyone. It's just all about me. Yeah. And that's good. It, it, space selfish, is very important. It's, space is important and it, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be like how you want to divvy up your time. Like sometimes when you're in the heat of like a really intense argument, taking space from it really helps, mm -hmm. you know, cause your energy can get so lost and, the chaos, your your mind kind of gets going onto uh, maybe like a specific issue when none of you are actually thinking correctly because your egos are flared up. Mm -hmm. The best thing that you can do, just like you were talking about going into that meditative space, isn't necessarily going on your own and trying to introspect and figure it out, but just to give your mind some space. Give your mind mm -hmm. some space. Basically what that means is just channel of, of, of tapping out of that and, you know, like being present, like doing something else, coming back to it later. There are some right. couples that are just like, no, we have to figure this shit out now. And I've been in this person before where it's like, no, we, we should handle this now. But there are some situations that you're not able to do that. There are some situations oh. where you have to just give it space. I agree. And you know, that kind of old advice, oh, don't go to bed angry. No, Sometimes you need to go to bed angry and sleep on it and it just feels different the next day Yeah, <laughs> and it feels different in a better way. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes things just can't get resolved right at the moment, just like you're saying. So yeah. I think that don't go to bed angry advice is bullshit. Yeah. I think that like maybe that going to bed angry thing speaks to like a, like a bigger thing. Like, like maybe it speaks to like, you should to a couple that needs to at least talk through their issues Maybe that like that sort of like line is for people that don't normally have communication whenever they mm -hmm. have difficulty. Um, basically people that just sort of bypass having to go through all of that. But, you know, if you do do those things and you go to bed angry once in a while, like, yeah, space is going to cause that to some degree. You know what I mean? So the best thing is to try the best that you can to sort through your issues, but if you're getting to a point where you just hit a wall and that person isn't hearing you and you're not hearing them because your egos are getting in the way of true resolution, the best thing you can do is just give it space. You know yeah, what I mean? Agreed. And you may not know right away exactly what the solution will be because people are like, well, just give it space. It's just going to, it's just going to sit there. It's just going to go like, but 
when you go and you give yourself space to not even actually think about the issue and just be present, maybe meditate or go for a walk, there's there's something in your subconscious, there's something like in your your spirit that will just know what the right thing to do is. You know yeah, what I mean? It's your yeah, your spirit's working on it in the background and you don't need to focus on that because the answer will come. Yeah. It's like your intuition just knows. Yeah, and I, and I, I truly so. believe that every single person really knows what the answer is to every problem. They know. Mm-hmm. I think the issue is whether yeah. or not they want to accept the fact that they know and whether or not they want to actually put into action what it is that they know that she should do instead of hesitating or instead of making excuses for other people. You know, like yeah, sure. I, I feel like a lot of those, uh, those arguments that happen between couples have to do with uh, a really highly idealized perspective of how they imagine something should go. But if you're fighting all the time, the answer is very clear. There's obviously a disconnect there. Mm-hmm. And the most obvious answer is that you should probably let that person go, you know? Yeah. So I, I would agree with that. I, the relationships I found that have been the um, easiest for me are the ones where it, everything just is in flow, right? And it comes mm-hmm. so easy and there's no trying and I don't feel stressed and I don't feel awkward or uncomfortable or I'm not analyzing things. If you, if that's how you're feeling in your relationship every single day, that's not the right person for you. Yeah. I feel like you have to like walk on eggshells around this person. If oh, you're, yeah, if that's you're not good. afraid that like you're going to say something the right way and you're absolutely right. Like those, those relationships where it's like full acceptance of who you are. You know, it's fully acknowledging that you have a good side and that you also have a shadow side, but agreeing to love you anyways, you know, and I think that understanding comes from experience. Like you have to know what it feels like to suffer. You have to know what it feels like to having hurt somebody else. You have to know what it feels like to be the one that's being hurt Mm -hmm. and gone through the entire gambit of being the asshole in a relationship and also being the good person in a relationship. So basically like experience experience gets to this place of like almost where Buddha is when he's underneath the Bodhi tree, like sitting there and, and, and feeling Mara sort of tempting him with all these different sort of like polarity, polarity things and finding the middle ground, like finding yourself in the middle and understanding like what the, you know, the power, the, the, the power that exists behind the understanding of the light and the dark, both like working simultaneously together. And I think that's what acceptance is, right? It's like when you go into your partner and you can look into their eyes and truly love them, you're truly loving the dark and the light side of them at the same time. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like those people that think that you have to choose a side, like, oh, this person has to be entirely good all the time. Otherwise, I'm going to get on his ass for not being perfect. Or this guy's just a complete jerk and I can't see the goodness in him at all. So I think like maybe like the point is to not be so polarizing. Like don't choose a yeah. side with somebody. Just accept the fact that like they just like you and everybody else have probably gone through, you know, various levels of happiness and sadness and, 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 and done a lot of asshole things and a lot of good things too. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. I was a real, I was a real butthead when I was younger. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I imagine that kind of helped, helped you <laughs> a butthead <laughs> that, that helped you like exercise some level of compassion because you know what it feels like to be a butthead to other people. you know what it feels like oh, yeah. to, you know, have somebody be a butthead to you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I've had a few of those. One or two. Yeah. <laughs> so the next one is communicating discomfort. That's one of those, uh, 
communication, communication. We've been talking a lot about that. I think a lot of what we covered, um, speaks to a lot of that. Do you have any other, other like really no, noticeable boundaries that you wanted to communicate? There's a large list here. Well, I wanted to talk about the discomfort thing because I, I see this a lot and I saw this a lot in my relationships too. If something is uncomfortable, we just don't talk about it. It just yeah. doesn't get brought up ever. Um, and even, even if there's an awkward silence and, you know, we're both tiptoeing around the issue, that is just not the way to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to talk about that stuff, even if it's uncomfortable yeah. and bring up whatever issue is bothering you. And just as long as you do it in a respectful way, it, it's going to be well-received on the other end. I mean, yeah. and that's really what brings, brings you closer to another person is that vulnerability of talking about things that make you uncomfortable. That's true. I think that's, that's probably the biggest, uh, what I'm seeing like a pattern with all of these things when it comes to boundaries is communication, right? Communication. Yeah. Communication is such an important thing. You can't get by in a relationship if you aren't communicating, you know, because one, we're, we're not psychics. People aren't psychics. They're unless they are, unless they are psychics. (laughs) And then if you are, then, you know, good for you. Um, but you're not just going to know who somebody is by looking at them in the eyes, staring them in the face, or wow. judging them solely based off of their actions. Like human beings are very complex, complex people, and the only right. way that you know we will know how somebody feels about us is if we communicate with them. You know, like the I was thinking about this the other day. Like, how do we get how do we get like a reasonable perspective of who we are? a large part of how we get that is from other people. You know, Mm -hmm. even though we have our small circle of friends that maybe we interact with on a day-to-day basis, we don't realize that even when we go out in public or go to the store or walk down the street, you have all these different people that you may not even know that act as these sort of like subtle mirrors pointing you in the direction of the person you might be. It can be something as subtle as somebody looking at you a certain way. It can be as subtle as somebody complimenting you on the way to work. All these little things contribute to the whole of who you imagine you are inside of your mind because feedback is one of the, the biggest sort of the biggest sort of things that we get from other people that help sort of justify the person that we are and help us sort of paint this picture in our mind as to who we are. You know, like we, we can look at ourselves in the mirror and say and be confident about who it is that we are. But, you know, when you're with a complete stranger multiple, multiple different strangers, especially friends. That's why friends are so important because they'll be honest with you in a loving and a compassionate way. But then you can go out to a club or you can go out somewhere else and somebody can be a complete asshole to you and you can take that to heart. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, there's so many mirrors in life of people that are contributing to the whole of how we see ourselves, both good and bad, you know? So it's, yeah. it's what I'm trying to get to is that like feedback is really important. And the only way that you can get the feedback that you want or like that sort of positive reinforcement is by being a good person to others so they can reflect that back at you, you yeah. know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, mutual sharing that I saw that was on the list too. Yeah. And uh, this kind of made me laugh a little bit because I'm an Aquarius. So by nature, I'm an open book and an oversharer. Really? And sometimes when you overshare, especially when you overshare a little too early, <laughs> it can make you seem a little unstable or a little crazy. And um, oh, that was overshare some feedback. 
yeah, oversharing. So that's definitely some feedback that I got whenever, um, whenever I was online dating. So I struggle with this because I like telling stories, right. And I have a million stories cause I've had a really fun and interesting life. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'll start telling my story and just like word vomiting on, on, you know, this other person and, um, sharing too much information. Right. You know, and sometimes it's a little too much with somebody that you don't really know that well. Um, if you're just starting to date and then it can be off putting and, um, make you come across as being a little unstable. So, um, (laughs) so maybe like hold off on family secrets or talking about your ex. And that's another thing too, talking about your ex. And we've discussed this before you and I, Eric, is that if you are dating someone new and they are constantly bringing up their ex, that is a red flag that they are not over them. The reason why is they are spending time with you and their ex is still top of their mind. So yeah. that means you are not the person they're thinking about. They're thinking about your, their ex. Like, I feel um, like so in, in response, in response to a, like a, maybe a beginning conversation, I think it's okay to bring up your ex as an example of maybe what you don't want in a relationship. Right. But if she's straight mm-hmm. up just bringing it up like, oh yeah, I went with my ex and we had this good time and he, and just talking as if somehow he's still in your life, the (laughs) the chances are that person probably still is, even if it's maybe not in reality, she's still occupying some space up there. That's obviously a red flag. Mm -hmm. This is the issue that I have because I've gone through this whole thing too, when it came to oversharing, like, what are the, it's like, what are the dynamics of oversharing? Like, what is something that would be considered? Because I like to talk. I'm a Gemini moon. You're, you are as well. I think Mm -hmm. if you are with the right person, then that conversation just flows and it wouldn't be a question of oversharing, you know, but I understand when it comes to dating, I've fallen into that pool where like you become, I I guess what it comes down to is matching the person's communication style. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of what you're pointing to. Cause I've one of those people (laughs) that's like, Oh, maybe if I just share this whole story, they'll compel them to actually want to share too. But there are some people that are like, no, you, 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 you went past the 200 character mark. (laughs) <laughs> on your dating app, you automatically yep. get blocked and you automatically yep. get ghost. <laughs> you know? Exactly. You know, there and there's plenty of time in the relationship for those uh, conversations to happen, you know? So you don't have to divulge everything up front, you know? or And especially things like, I, I've noticed with me, if I learned something in the past, like maybe I did something bad and I learned from it, and then I share that bad thing that I did with this person. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe not a good idea. Maybe hold off on that one. You know, save that for another time. I don't know. Because you also want to put like your, um, I don't want to say put your mask on or put your best foot forward. But, you know, you want to be on your best behavior, especially in the beginning. Um, in, in the most authentic way, right? You know, because that's that's really the time that a person is evaluating if they want to continue a relationship with you. So um, if you're telling all these like embarrassing and crude stories and, you know, talking about your deep, dark family secrets, I mean, this, it's too much. Yeah. I think that's definitely too much, but you got to be careful though, because that to me almost sounds like games. It can tread into the whole games thing, which is like, there's this sort of unspoken truth this this unspoken like rule book when it comes to dating where it's like oh you shouldn't you shouldn't reveal too much too soon because Mm -hmm. that can speak to some level of neediness you know that's the whole thing that people have a really really big problem with when it comes to dating it's like you don't want to come across as needy right Right. but if you meet the right person 
if if you spark the fancy of some random person that ends up sort of reciprocating that same level of communication, that whole logic goes out the window. It it's not even a question yeah, about right. whether or not you're communicating too much or too less. They will just be a regular human being. And I think that speaks to like some level of evolved intelligence. I noticed that when it comes to online dating, when you get into that whole like, oh, she texts first or he texts first or this person sent two texts when I only sent one. Those are, that's games, Yeah, right? That's games. You were Agreed. a victim of gameplay, Jen. You were a victim of yeah. gameplay. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's why you have to meet in person. Don't yeah. get a pen pal on this online dating app, you know? Yeah. Communicate back and forth. If you feel like there's something there, me for a coffee. I mean, because that's really going to tell you if you have anything in common with this person is, is that, you know, that energy of the other person and having that other person in your face. Right. Yeah, that's true. Having the other person like in front of you, physical proximity is really important. You know, it's so important. Like, because like we, as far as like how I, you know, like measure energy is, is, maybe 50% language and also another 50% body language. Yeah. You know, like they think that's, it's really, really important to connect with somebody that's like right in front of you and you're able to kind of feel their words and to feel like their energy in front of you. I think it's so important. It's really, really hard to pick up on any of the emotional IQ techniques through a a written message. Oh, for sure. (laughs) You really need to see facial express facial expressions see the hear the inflection in their voice on the words that they're using i mean you just can't get that through a text message yeah. or an email have you had that have you had that situation in the past where it's like you you're really really angry at your partner you're really really angry at the person that you're dating and they happen to see you a text send you a, a text message and then you're reading that text message through your anger Yes. And it's not even that it's a, <laughs> it's not even that it's an angry text message. It's just because your, your consciousness at that time is so heated and so angry at them for whatever reason. And you're not translating the message correctly. You're translating the message mm-hmm. through your anger. And I think it's the anger. part with, with I'm text messages. actually meaning it. Yeah. That's the thing with text messages. It's like, you can't, there's a certain authenticity that you hear from somebody's voice when you're in front of them. But mm-hmm. there's, there's something about text messages where you're translating that through you know, where you're at in that moment, what type of day that you had, how your feelings are in that moment. And sometimes you can translate the most, you know, casual text message in an angry way. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and punctuation, very important. If yeah. you have bad grammar or, or spelling things wrong, you're not going to get a date with me. Yeah. That's why I, I think won't, e- won't emojis are so important nowadays. <laughs> As, as trivial as they are, like they're so important emojis because they, they create like a certain <laughs> level of like softness and um, playfulness. And, and playfulness. Fun. Exactly. Yeah. Like you put a little happy face after a message, like you know what they're trying to say. You yeah. know? Like yeah, emojis absolutely. are, emojis are, I think are key. It's, it's crazy that we went for such a long period of time without emojis. As trivial as people think, they're actually really helpful when it comes to articulating your feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Through a text message, a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, we've got a lot of, a lot of things here, Jen. I think that was probably pretty good when it comes to um, boundaries, unless there are some that you wanted to go over. Yeah, Yeah, I do. I have one more thing. And um, this is really important to me is privacy. 
So if it's not okay to go through someone's phone, to go through their emails, to go through their wallet or purse or their journal, um, any, any personal piece of property that they have, it is not okay for you to go through it. And it is not an invitation if they leave it open. Right. Um, Just don't do it. And if you're at the point in your relationship where you feel like you don't trust this person and you're going through their stuff for answers, the relationship is already over. (laughs) So time to move on. You know, that is the first indication that, Hey, we're done. You know, if you have even the slightest inkling to do that. That's like the greatest invasion of privacy, you know, a hundred percent. Like I've been in, I've been in relationships with that where it's like, they want to know the password to your phone and they want to know every little thing that you're doing. And it's not that, and and that speaks to obviously large distrust. If you're ever in a situation where you're asking those questions you're absolutely right, you probably shouldn't be in the relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, complete lack of trust. That's like assuming that your person is that type of person that will do that to you, that will cheat, that will do Mm -hmm. things that they shouldn't do. And if yeah. you're at that place, then you probably should reevaluate your your situation, you know, reevaluate uh, yeah. your sitch. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And this one, this one is kind of personal to me. And this is the last one I think that, that made my list is um, spiritual boundaries. Yeah. So everybody has the right to believe what they believe. And it's really hard to be in a relationship with someone who believes differently and isn't flexible in their beliefs. Right. Mm-hmm. So you are going to, be in a relationship with someone that you have different religious beliefs than, you know, um, there needs to be a mutual respect and understanding if they are very rigid in their beliefs, it's likely not going to work out. You know, I also speak from experience from dating a Muslim guy and dating a Jewish guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I'm not Jewish and I'm not Muslim and, um, even dating, dating a guy that just didn't believe in the metaphysical, you know, (laughs) and thought that my beliefs about astrology and the universe were, were, uh, I guess, hogwash. (laughs) It's, I, I found that offensive and because it's such a big part of who I am. Right. Right. And if obviously if you're with somebody that is not, obviously not open and, and, and it's like one of those scenarios where it's like, how can you learn anything new if you know everything already? You know what I mean? Right. Like, exactly. even though these people have these sort of like really hard lines that they draw on the sand when it comes to spirituality, it's like when somebody mm-hmm. comes to me and says, this is the way that it is, I automatically know that that is not the way that it is. You know, exactly. like when somebody creates like such a hard boundary like that, when it comes to their spirituality, that's, that speaks, that, that tells me a lot. And that probably tells me that we're probably not going to be compatible because the one thing that I know about spirituality is that I don't know a lot about spirituality mm-hmm. and that's where the knowing is, Jen. That's where right. the knowing is. It's admitting mm-hmm. that you don't know. And then also having the ability to sort of wax poetic on all the possibilities and potentialities that exist yeah you know spirituality is not a destination it's a conversation you know it's not like a fixed point it's not like a place that you arrive to at at some sort of end point in the future is just an ongoing conversation with god that's all spirituality is and when somebody comes to you and says this is the way that it is no sir that is not the way that's the way that it is for you yeah you know but the universe is so much more expansive and so much more beautiful and so much more open than that, you know? So I think you're absolutely right. Be with somebody that is 
more of a universalist, somebody that is open to the the possibility that God is not somebody that you can just squeeze into a box. You know, like Deepak Chopra has that quote that says, you know, instead of thinking outside of the box, get rid of the box. <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. like yeah, my grandma used to say, it's it's really hard to read the label when you're inside the jar. Yeah. You know? So That's get outside true. of the jar, read the label. You got to get outside of the jar. You got to get out of your own conditioning, your own ideas mm-hmm. of how you imagine things to be. And the only way that you can do that is by exercising the possibility that you may not know what you think you do about life. Yeah. And it's not a question of, 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 you know, being stupid for not knowing. It's the fact that you, if you're standing at the feet of God, you almost have to approach it almost as a child because you couldn't even begin to fathom the magnitude and the immensity of what that force is. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't wrap your brain around the, that type of beauty. See, the only thing that you can do is be humble to it and be open to it and be willing to have a conversation about what God may potentially be. You know, agreed. Yeah, agreed. So there's, there's this, some final. Some here are some thoughts on establishing healthy boundaries, and I think this sort of like sums everything up. Which is, you know, find a calm moment. If your partner crosses a boundary, work through your anger first in a safe and healthy way. Take time for yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Define define the boundary and wait for a peaceful moment to have that conversation. These are just different practices, which we pretty much talked about, but I'm just going to kind of like bullet point them here. Be assertive. State your boundaries clearly and effectively. You know, make it known that you will not tolerate that boundary being crossed and also express to your partner why it bothers you. And if they love you, then they'll respect you and they will choose to, you know, accept the fact that you've created this boundary and you can both do that for each other. Of course, there are ways to communicate that. You do it in a assertive but strong way that doesn't hurt somebody else's feelings but don't be afraid to communicate your boundaries to somebody in situations you know yeah and then be loving don't threaten your partner yeah loving and respectful don't threaten them don't speak out of anger let them know that you're setting your boundaries out of trust and love for them and yourself you know and then reciprocate Mm -hmm. be sure to ask your partner what boundaries they need to establish and how do you best how do you best honor them and i think that's that 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 part honor is like so important it's like how do i honor you in this relationship like what can i do for you you know like how can i best show up for you as a partner you know like i think that you can you can even sift through a lot of this stuff by just being open and upfront just be like look how can i best serve you like how can i show up for you and empower you to be the best person that you can possibly be you know and just i like that term show up how you show up for someone yeah i like that like you show up for life yeah you gotta show up you know the only the only morning when you open your eyes you're showing up yeah the only challenging thing and the only difficult thing well the only you know i i guess the only challenging thing and crazy thing about a sunset is the fact that you have to be there to actually experience it you know, so if you want to see the sunset, you have to show up for it so that you can experience it yourself. And that's the only thing that is really required. You just got to show up. So if you show up, it's there, you know. So, yeah. That's right. Yeah. But that was a nice little. A lot of good 
gems there's, in there. Yeah, there's a lot of, of good stuff in there. I mean, it's it, yeah, it's hard. It's hard because we could have probably gone on to spoken about lots of these. There's a lot of different boundaries. It, it's it's definitely just like spirituality. It's a conversation place. It can go on forever. Yeah. You know, but I think the best thing is just to, to be open to learning. I think that's the biggest part when it comes to relationships. You enter in them to learn, you know, not just to get every, yeah. not just to get the things that you want, but to right. learn like who you are in relation to somebody else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's what I think Absolutely. of when it comes to like relationships. What can I learn from this person? What can this person learn from me? You know? Always learning. Always learning. So Always if you're with your partner, just think of all the beautiful things that you can get from a relationship as long as you're being open to learn with that person. Not just getting what you want, because you won't get it all the time. That's just not how life works. But if you allow yourself to be open, just keep your heart open to learning something new every single day. You may learn something. A whole lot of learning. Anyways. Good one, good one. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, well, we'll talk to you guys soon. Namaste, friends. Namaste. Wait a second. By the way, guys, if you're on uh, YouTube, Go ahead and give us a listen. This is something I forgot to do, Jen, because we got so lost in sauce when it came to this boundary thing. But if you guys are on YouTube, like and subscribe. We have these video episodes you can actually watch because we record them. You can see Jen and I staring at each other. And then we're also on Instagram. So if you have any questions, if you guys want to see some clips, some good stuff, go ahead and follow us on Instagram. And then uh, like and subscribe. We're on all the different platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify and do all the things. And if you have any questions, just reach out to us on our website, find-nobodies.com. We also post the episodes on there. So if you're not somebody that has an online platform, as far as an app goes, you can listen to the episodes directly off of the website. You don't even need a media player. There's a media player actually on the website. So if you want to listen to them there, go ahead and log on. You can email us at divinenobodies at gmail.com. Divinenobodiespodcast at gmail.com. What do you think? (laughs) That's good, right? That was good. Did I miss anything? Nope, that was it. Namaste, friends. Namaste.